Welcome to the Evolve Leadership Innovation Podcast, hosted by myself, Kim Ford, CEO of Rise Pittsburgh. I'm thrilled to showcase industry leaders and their approach to workforce innovation. Because Next looks different for every company today. Let's learn, grow, and connect as we dive deep into leadership evolution. Let's evolve together. Welcome to Evolve. In this series, we're showcasing leaders and their approach to workforce innovation. And today, we actually have an extremely special edition because this is deviating a little bit from our core subject of kind of what's next with business leaders because Brian actually has software that is helping business leaders make that decision of how to proceed forward. Brian, can you take a second and introduce yourself and give me a little bit of background because I know you, but uh, everybody else doesn't. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Uh, Brian Zerker, CEO of Hopewell. And um, we're based out of Columbus, Ohio, so just uh, down the street from Pittsburgh. And I think the uh, the easiest way to understand why we're doing what we're doing about trying to understand the work experience and how to help individuals just become the most effective employees and how to invest in that is because we like the work, but we used to hate how work was designed. So uh, and as you turned out, you don't have to take, you know, uh, spin around at a bar and ask people how much they love the, the workplace and whatever. You don't get a lot of hands that go up. And, and the thing is funny is that they actually like to do their work. So these things have been disconnected for a long time. We felt that and experienced it ourselves. And we're not insiders in real estate. We're not insiders in, you know, furniture design. We were software and data people running companies where we were studying consumer experience which as it turns out has all the trappings of the work experience. And it felt like there was a, a direct path for us to think about work as a consumer experience and what could we unlock by having more satis a higher, a higher satisfying work experience and a more effective one. And that you notice I didn't use words like productivity in there. Um, effectiveness is just the efficiency of productivity. So that is, uh, that's how we got started down our path. And um, we wanted to find tools that could help scale this problem and do it in a short but effective way to get data in the hands of the business leaders to make those investments. Yeah, well, a lot of business owners are kind of trying to figure out what the post-pandemic world looks like for them. How can Hopewell help those companies evaluate their work experience and what's next? Yeah, I think when I when I talk to business leaders and I, I hear them talking about the future of work or their workplace strategy, I often turn and say, okay, well, what model are you using, right? Because the thing is, if you start to evaluate anything, you have to be able to evaluate some category of the thing, or you're just kind of trying to, you know, just eat the lunch a lot at one time and uh, people will never be happy no matter what we've ever done. Someone's always unhappy. Well, that's true, but if you got most people happy, <laughs> that, that might be right. uh, you know, a better strategy. So we start by saying it's time to put a, a structure around this process to methodically go and measure against the things that can have the biggest impact on effective work. And so what we did is we designed that model at the very core of what we did is we built a categories of the work experience, things around modes of work, energy, uninterrupted work, impact of the physical environment, the tools, the tech, and the policy. And when you have all of that, you have a common language to begin to think about attacking the problem and knowing where the biggest impact you have uh, on the workforce could be. So, you you know, the, everyone loves the concept of return on investment. And the 
here you would really know, okay, well, we're suffering or our biggest opportunity is to go here. Well, okay, let's, we can spend money on that office because it turns out it's a tool in our uh, toolbox that we need to really bring to the workforce. No, that makes sense. And, and for decades, the retail industry has been researching how people make purchases, where they shop, why they shop there, what they shop for. How did you make that connection between the consumer experience research and the work experience? Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot shorter walk than people think it is. But it's just funny how you know we put things in a certain box in our lives, and we yeah. we never look through one lens to get to the other. And I always used to joke when I was a consumer, like you could have the same rope and one you you put a package around saying it's for rappelling and the other is to tie up your expensive boat. It's the same rope. <laughs> and, you know, you put a zero on it because it turns out your boat's worth more than your life. So like, you know, it's funny. It's just, we just think about those things in that way. And what happened in consumer, and, and uh, no one needs a history lesson on the evolution of the internet here, but you know, it wasn't such a long world ago that we would get in our car and we drive to the store after maybe reading the ad in the paper and be inspired to buy something. And maybe you heard from a friend or you took the word of the, the salesperson on the floor. And that's a pretty uncomplicated process to analyze. Ultimately, you can do traditional research and surveys to, to get enough information to know impact. Well, you know, today, the last time you heard about a product could have been, I mean, I'm, I'm now too old to know that the places you could go to do that, but you know, you can be on TikTok and you know, you bounce your neighbor's cookout and then you're there and then you buy it in 30 seconds on the internet and it shows up in two hours. I mean, for a marketer to analyze who are the customers, what are their preferences, what journeys are they taking that is a very complex problem that needs structure and process and an understanding of where to, to find this data and the way, right ways to get it. Well, works just the same thing. I mean, yeah. I can I can really just change out buying something and put in working there, and you know, it's the same story. It just it took a little longer to get going, and obviously the pandemic has uh, sort of done that thing where you know you didn't trust whether you could buy something on Amazon. I remember people talking about this, right? And now they're pissed if it's not there in two hours, right? And so, um, you know, it's I just, remember uh, that. <laughs> and we're, you know, I always say when the solution is so obviously, it's so obvious and it's in your hands, you so quickly forget the past yeah. and how clunky it was. And I would say about Uber, it's like, you remember when we used to like try to sit around calling for cabs in college and, you know, it's, you're making me feel old. Like, well, yeah, I, I, I was doing it too. So, um, but <laughs> okay, yeah, so I mean, we, we just don't even recognize that like yeah. that was even a thing in the past. It's so distant because the current solution is, is so much better. And so I think for work today, you know, business leaders need to give themselves a little bit of uh, time to breathe and some sympathy to their teams and team members, because this is really a revolution of proportions that we we haven't even come to terms with because again we'll wake up in five or ten years and we'll be like what the hell were we doing like that was so stupid but the transition of getting there is going to be fraught with all kinds of change that people are going to have struggle with and you got real estate assets and traditions and policies that you know you met the need in the last year and the questions what are the other things you're going to bring forward because they were working um, and that's going to be unique to every business. 
No. And, and what data can leaders use to kind of optimize employee performance and satisfaction? Is there a way to kind of pull that information together? Yeah. I mean, we built a tool that is a 15-ish minute personal work experience assessment. And we're careful and we brought in a lot of consumer experience researchers that this is not a traditional survey. We don't ask you what amenities in the workplace you need. If you want a faster car, of course, you're going to say yes. Um, this is really about understanding what types of modes of work you get into and what are the barriers to you being able to do that most effectively. And we, through a logic-based process, pull out information and it's interesting that, you know, it's worth 15 seconds on one aspect of what we do. And so people will say, well, how do you know if if someone is having a problem doing something? Well, one of the things we study is the concept of flow, right? How, how easy is it for you to get into uninterrupted periods of work? Well, as it turns out, it's really hard for a lot of people. And the culprits are often, you know, open office floor plans, uh, digital notifications, coworker interruptions. And you find that like, well, is that a space problem? Maybe partially. Is it a policy problem? Partially. Is it tools and tech problem? Policy. Yeah, it is. So these things sinking, they're, they're all going in concert. And so you have to really understand what modes of work do we have in? What's the perceived support of that? And that's going to lead you to thematic answers that say, yep, yeah, we should invest in more office space, different configurations, better tools and tech, a flex work policy. Um, so the, the data really comes down to at the very core. It is you got to know what your people do. It turns out most companies don't. Um, they know what the titles are. They know what teams they're on. They know what the output is, but they don't know what kind of headspace they get into in order to spend their time doing the work done. Well, and they seem like they have never asked the questions and they probably most companies don't even know how to ask the right questions because they've never, a lot of companies haven't cared. I mean, at least my experience and our clients where we've seen companies that really care about the work experience and the workforce, you know, the workforce experience in general are tech firms that are competing for top talent. So we've seen that in the past five years. Google is such a great example of that with the slide into the office and all the cool <laughs> amenities. But even smaller companies have cared. They've put fireplaces in their space. They've put lounges. They've made huge cafeterias and adding actually full catered meals for lunch. And so like we've seen that but only at the really high level of tech firms. Um, what workforce, like what work experience model do you believe has been successful for companies? Like, have you seen any of that data yet that kind of is like painting a picture of just an example? Yeah, uh, there is successful models and they have one common thing is they're for your workforce. <laughs> and so that's the thing that I have to encourage business leaders. It's like, without telling them to stop reading, I have to tell them to just read with the understanding that it's just another data point of what's going on in the world and that your workforce will have very unique needs relative to anyone else's. And there's some great examples out there where you know people wanna rail on maybe like a Goldman Sachs says, we're going back to the office yeah. without fully accounting for the fact that there is security concerns, there's team dynamics concerns, there's just bandwidth concerns um, in terms of getting the business done and, and the expectations they have. Sure, is there some cultural insight to the way that they think about the business? Yeah, there is. But they'd be foolish for me to apply that to you know, the marketing agency that 
you know, has a completely different set of needs and type of people doing working. So the key is to know that I think that, that, that there is a unique formula for your company. Sure, you're going to get lessons from other people, but the core lesson is design around what your people need and want, right? I mean, that's um, that's the best formula. The copycat concept of, well, I heard that so-and-so competitor does it this way, or you know, LinkedIn's got the, the newfangled cool office thing going on. It just, it misses context, even geographical context. That, <laughs> That's right. I mean, like you're in Pittsburgh, I'm in Columbus. The expectations for, for folks here and the commute times and it's all these things are just completely different factors to New York City or San Francisco. Even like a Houston or Nashville is going to have its own vibe and, and unique needs. So yeah, there's a lot there. Um, but I think we are finding that you have to just be cautious to know that there are things that worked during the pandemic for a lot of businesses. So whether that was you, you did find that, you know, certain things that types of work, we, we look at this very carefully. Like there are certain aspects of work that when you went home, they worked pretty well, right? I mean, you were maybe out of the distracted office. You could get that heads down work done better. So the question that the business leader level is, you can't think of the work day as this single thing anymore, right? It is like there are aspects of work that you're going to float in uh, on both a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis. And that, that, that life cycle for that changes for your business. It changes by the day. Sometimes changes in your personal life, right? You know, you go from no kids to having a kid and flexibility <laughs> becomes, you know, priority. maybe the couple couple years for the no commute thing for you would be just all the difference in the world, you know, and even then being able to get out of the house, you know, to, to get you some space and headspace. It just is, it's complicated, right? And so the formula at any moment in time is going to be just moving and changing a little bit. So you got to just learn how to make core investments and, and put core kind of guideposts around that to let people work within that. And uh, you can't control the experience. You can create the atmosphere that allows for people to excel. But they're adults. Like, you're paying them to get work done. Yeah, they will well, get the work done. No, it's true. And, and one of the things we're hearing from a lot of clients, too, is that, you know, during, you know, most companies, they didn't spend a week or a month at working from home. They've spent months and months. So, like, this isn't something new. This is something that they've been doing part mostly most of them because they had to it wasn't a choice yeah. and so what we've seen is clients kind of maintain right they're maintaining their existence they're maintaining their you know they're achieving but they're just maintaining and what we're finding is if companies want to grow they need some type of collaboration and that looks different for everybody like you said how do you kind of how, how do you help the client come to their own solution like, yeah, is it the software I, itself? Do you do a consulting with them about what the results show? Like, how does that, how is that solution determined? Yeah, part of our process really is to start with, we essentially, uh, in its own way, we take an inventory, right? So part of what our individual assessment does is it inventories what the people are doing and how well they perceive the company to support them in those modes of work, which reveal a lot about very idiosyncrasy, small things about the the way the company has invested in. Maybe they have invested in lowly, put, I should say, uh, 
is correct for companies. They have un- underinvested in like communication technologies, right? Right. And so during COVID, maybe they invested in it all of a sudden, but they didn't train. And so it's causing more process problems than it is benefits. Those are little things we're going to understand with that kind of quote unquote inventory. But but maybe even more importantly is we also will go through their floor plans. And one of the things we've done, which is pretty interesting, is we've built a specific lexicon of space. So you may have encountered if you're you know doing design or you're building out an office, like you'll classify something as a conference room or there might be a fancy word that the A&D firm uses to, to say what that room is in their language. Well, we, we don't have a dog in that fight. So we, we do classify space. And what we do is show you what you have. And it turns out that we find out that most companies don't really understand what that space they have really is aligned to in the minds of their employees. And so they'll find out that they're either way under inventoried and collaboration style spaces when they say come back to the office because you know we want you to be able to collaborate people are like but there's no space to do that right and so and then you sort of get your head around like oh okay again this is like the consumer problem like i got you to this cool blog page that told you all about the product and the reviews and all the things i forgot to put a buy button on there so <laughs> now it's just it's just a magazine right and a free one at that yeah. um so similarly the office it's like this is a thing. If you know the inventory you have and you know what the preference is and you want to you want to prioritize something, I want to prioritize collaboration. That's what people really want to do. Then you got to know what it is the physical environment means to enabling that to happen. Maybe there's other things too around that flex work policy, right? Because if I tell you, you got to be there on Tuesdays and Thursdays by other than just opening up that the, the, this place is the place you want to be because it, it does solve that collaboration problem. Right. Um, if I'm only going to collaborate on Tuesdays and Thursdays, that doesn't leave a lot of flexibility to the way that you design work. And so that's uh, it's kind of a long way to answer your question there. But it's um, you have to understand the impact of these things along the way. And that's just it's a new way of thinking. The good news is you can do it really fast. It's it feel, doesn't require and, and no offense to you know McKinsey consultants or anything, but it doesn't require a McKinsey consultant engagement here. Turns out that your people kind of can tell you what it is that they need, um, and that can be done in a matter of of minutes and hours. Yeah. Well, we met, um, I guess, a few years back at your co working location in Columbus. Has that location influenced the software in any way? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. We just uh, set out to build this place that we wanted to work at ourselves. Um, as it turned out, even you know a few years ago now, that space did not include an office. As it turned out, <laughs> because you know, in our case, we wanted to open it up to the public and up to people who wanted to have this dynamic experience. We called it a, a student union for professionals in our in our heads, right? Because it was a central gathering area with a coffee shop inside of it, but it also had spaces for you know for conference rooms with technology enabled collaboration rooms, individual work areas. Um, and all of that was there, but there, no one had dedicated space. And what we saw and observed was we often would watch people spend their day and how they interacted and moved throughout their different modes of work into different areas. And so we were able to start to collect data and see like, okay, this is this is working for a lot of people. And it turns out they show up for two or three hours and they they go home. Man. It's And so these were people that had autonomy and were able to move about their day. And even companies who had offices down the street for us, their people would spend majority of their time coming to our place. And so 
we were able to see that there is no linear path to doing work and and everybody has a specific set of needs um, and that wasn't being accounted for um, mm-hmm. at the management layer. They were thinking so much about, well, we don't have, you know, we don't understand millennials. They want to work a different way. You know, I mean, you really hear these just kind an of excuse. things. And yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't get it. Like, you know, I mean, they're starting at a place that we've entered into over the course of work. I mean, I had a desktop computer and I had to go to this place to do my work, my first job out of college. <laughs> and I have a laptop and give me a cell phone, you know. I mean, what they have in their pocket does more by a hundred thousand times than what I had at that point. So it's really hard for us to take ourselves out of those those feelings we have to understand that there's a lot you can unlock. But the space for us unlocked that vision. We watched people struggle at the enterprise level to understand why they couldn't figure this out. And at the individual level, we watched people work in autonomy. And it was amazing that they they did as much, if not more work, they just did it with more satisfaction because they were controlling the environments they were in. No, very, very, very true. Do you have any advice for other business leaders right now as they kind of figure out what their next looks like? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, no one wants to be in the prediction game. And I definitely don't want to be the advice game either in that, you know, you pay for what you get here. But um, I would say that I would take a deep breath, (laughs) Uh, take it slow. You know, if it's if it seems to be working for you right now, you know, let let it breathe and let yourself figure out what it is you're going to do for the long run, not the short run. Like the CDC guidelines and all that, it, it can that can make you feel busy because you're getting to work on something, but it's a very short term perspective. Uh, a back to something, uh, just eliminate back to from your dictionary and think of what it's about to become. And then I think the last part I would say to anyone is just involve your team. It's scary because people are like, wow, we can't make people happy and this and that. But as it turns out, like people will express if it's done in the right way, things that are going to help you and help them. And it's, uh, I, I don't like the excuse of if you can't make everybody happy, then don't make anybody happy. It doesn't seem like that's, you know, and you're going to lose the talent war. I mean, we hear these stories from the field on a daily basis now where X company said, we're coming back there and the the developers all quit, you know, and you're like, yeah, it turns (laughs) out, you know, with what you've provided them for them to not. Yeah, exactly. So that that would be my advice. You know, a lot like you see if you're not in the right location to bring on that right talent pool, um, you're going to make a huge mistake. We see that in Pittsburgh a lot with people locating to different suburbs and thinking they're going to hire full stack developers and compete. They're not. And, And that's a constant conversation we seem to have. Question for you. Do you think how do you feel that co-working is going to do in the future or shared office space? Yeah, I think it has a there there. Um, the. The, it, it's a natural mix to the the corporate and commercial real estate category in general. I think it's it, the uniqueness of it for the long haul for everyone is going to be that every real estate market is going to be like a company, right? Where it has specific needs and whether or not one in Columbus works the same it does in Nashville, uh, I don't know how to analyze that. That's 
for somebody who's better at the real estate market needs. But I think what we'll find is that there, there is a need for flex. There, it, it people just don't necessarily want to commit long term to things. They may have a uh, a burning need for a year or two, and then you know they just want to buy options, and they're willing to pay a premium for that. So there's a there's definitely a category that will work fine. Um, I would say that my my personal opinion is that the the expensive individual office in volume it sounded good in the New York City market. It's probably not a viable market for the the masses at this point. So the and I I say that in the context that would be like a two thousand dollar individual office on a monthly basis in Columbus, Ohio is a lot of money. Yes. Uh, there's a very slim audience that wants to spend twenty four thousand dollars a year base yeah. to have a place to go every day that doesn't even accommodate shared meeting rooms and other amenities. So people who are interested in it, I just would say that, you know, know the market, you know, the flex tenant game is a thing, you know, everybody, you can offer one, two, three year turnkey spaces for companies, you know, it's going to feel uncomfortable because you can't predict the future like commercial real estate always has, but you know, it's still, there's a, there's an option there. People are going to want that, but it probably just looks a little bit different than it used to. Well, I think your software has hit the market at the actual perfect time. I think companies should absolutely look at and evaluate this. I think that's the questions we get. And we are, you know, that is not what we do. You know, identifying what that experience is like is just not the analysis we take representing them. So I think it's perfect time. I'm excited about it. And, you know, the whole purpose of Evolve is to help business leaders to learn, connect and grow. And thank you. This is actually perfect um, I'm excited to talk to you as always and appreciate taking all of your time on this beautiful day. All right. Thanks, Kim. Appreciate it. No, thank you, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on social media and let's continue to evolve together. See you soon.